Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Halloween is in the air. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Say Beetlejuice. Get your hocus pocus going. Whatever you got to do, because we are celebrating another spooktacular. We've made it to our second Halloween since Good People, Cool Things became a podcast and we've got a lot more scary stories which i typically formulate as the worst gigs that musicians have played or the worst shows or events that authors entrepreneurs have had but in this case we've also got some fun little history so we're going to be diving into some of the classic episodes from good people cool things past specifically the spooky moments we're chatting with nancy stolman about kinky mink her lounge jazz metal trio from the group's history to its worst gig. We're looking at Susan McCauley and her book, Ghost Hunters, Pirates Cursed, A Ghost Hunting Adventure, and why she wanted to turn that whole book into a series. Chatting with Akil Henry, a producer who's worked with all kinds of artists that you know and love, about a scary adventure he had while making music during the pandemic. Chatting with Kimberly Dawn, country musician who shares some of her worst gigs that she has ever played. We're talking with Ekin Oslin, model and founder of the company Carousel, for her worst modeling gigs. She does music, but her modeling gigs are much more... Uh, I, well, they're generally pretty good, but they're kind of horrific. Uh, one or two of them are a little horrific, so she was sharing those. Also chatting to David Shabani, a rapper whose worst gig involves the Fast and the Furious franchise. And so... It's a delightful story, so we're diving into that. We're going to wrap it up with Mark Hartsman, who is the author behind a number of fantastic books. Most recently, Chasing Ghosts, a tour of our fascination with spirits and the supernatural. And that just seems like the perfect way to kick off the Halloween week spirit festivities. I hope you have a wonderful time with your candy. So I hope you enjoy this spooktacular series of conversations. Kicking us off, it's Nancy Stolman author and lead singer of Kinky Mink about her band's history and the worst gig that they've ever played. We started doing it in um, 2011, I want to say. My partner is a um, classical pianist and we just started kind of messing around. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a singer, not, I, I wasn't a professional singer at the time, but I've always been a singer, musical theater background and all of that. So just in our messing around, um, we would just start playing through like 80s songbooks, but start, you know, improvising them in these jazzy lounge styles. Um, it's definitely been something that a, a, a band like um, the Postmodern Jukebox is doing now and that sort of thing. But uh, it, it just caught on. And with my partner being, uh, you know, classically trained and all of that, he can do all those classical trills. Um, we just said, you know, what would happen if we did Ozzy Osbourne jazz lounge style? And I got in a sparkly dress and laid on top of the piano and um, very influenced by like the fabulous Baker Boys, which is a great movie. If you haven't seen it, any of your listeners out there, it's classic 80s Michelle Pfeiffer uh, lying on the piano and singing. And so we just did a lot of that. And uh, I mean, Ozzy Osbourne and Metallica and you know, then things like Bon Jovi and just ZZ Top. 
and just had so much fun. And then of course, this whole element of theatrics with it, we got a drummer. So there was three of us and, um, yeah, we, we just had so much fun and we have so many stories too, of like, um, being booked to play in a, let's say quote regular jazz club and then next thing they know they're getting like white wedding and I'm in like a wedding dress you know singing this crazy like white wedding lounge style with reverb and all this stuff and they're like um yeah you can't come back here again (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's been so much fun and it's just been this other place for me to explore creativity and all of these things inform my writing so I think the more creative avenues you have, the better, but um, it's just been such a joy. I just love it. And then we've written a couple original things too. We've got a couple of music videos on uh, YouTube. Uh, the One of them is uh, Tie Me Up for Christmas, which is uh, our big Christmas <laughs> song and it's very um, silly. And uh, yeah, so you can have fun and watch those as well. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. I didn't know there was uh, some YouTube action as well. And mm-hmm. Christmas, mm-hmm. Christmas songs. That's a smart musical play. You always get, uh, yeah, you get that longevity that you you don't always get. Exactly. I like yep. it. I like it. Creative and smart business acumen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And something I always like to ask musicians, although maybe you touched on this with uh, the surprised jazz uh, venues, but. If if there is a worse gig than that, what's the worst show that you've ever played? Oh, worst show. Yeah. I mean, I remember playing in this French restaurant and she, the rest, we should have known that the restaurant was not going to make it. And <laughs> therefore their clientele, they may not have a lot of people, but she was like, you know, I'd love for you to do like a brunch. And at that point we'd added a few things to our repertoire that were, you know, um, family friendly and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, riffs on Sinatra and that sort of thing. But uh, she's like, I'd love for you to do like the Sunday brunch. And we've got, you know, this French brunch and mimosas and the whole bit. And um so we said, okay. And it wasn't, it wasn't our ideal gig, but we were like, you know, it seems cool. This French restaurant art cafe was kind of cool. Um, and there was just one person in the audience for about the first 45 minutes. Oh. And that person was a person that I had invited or who had gotten the notice through my social media. So I hadn't seen her in years. And there she was like with her husband and they're both eating their eggs Benedict and looking embarrassed for us and we were just like (laughs) oh my gosh you don't have to look at us finally of course people started coming in but uh you know it went out of business shortly after that so um yeah I think we really learned to not just take any gig because it was offered um but to make sure that if we're going to get our audience motivated that it's going to be worth their time yeah I think that's a good a good lesson. Hopefully you got a nice brunch out of it, though, if nothing else. Yeah, oh, we did. We got we got a good brunch. French brunch. It was tasty. Yeah, French brunch is usually pretty good. <laughs> it's very nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's the nice perks of it. but and it, And it makes mm-hmm. for a good story later on. I thought that was yes. very enjoyable. I know it's always terrible in the moment, but that's one of my favorite things to ask musicians. Right. Well, and so much of what we did, especially at the beginning, was we were just over the top so much that our audiences would, you know, they would leave with their jaw sort of like 
uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that, you know, like, um, just not expecting it at all. Like, as I was talking about the wedding dress. So when we would do white wedding, I would put on this whole wedding dress and then come like walking through the aisle of people, which is great if you're in like a weird club, but when you're in like a classical jazz club and they're expecting classical jazz and here's like, you know, like a weird procession, gothy looking, you know, into this white wedding. Um, I remember we used to laugh. There was um, this jazz musician who is really well known in Denver. And he came to one of our shows and we overheard him at the bar talking to somebody else. And he was like, that ain't jazz. <laughs> and we, were, we just said we should name our next album. That ain't jazz. Uh, so, yeah. Next up, Susan McCauley talks about her book, Ghost Hunters, Pirate's Curse at Ghost Hunting Adventure. And your most recent book, Ghost Hunters. Yes. Pirate's, Pirate's Curse. Curse. The second in the Ghost Hunters series. It is. With uh, a ghost hunting adventure is this one and Bones in the Wall, the first one. So tell us about this series. Did you want it to be a series right away or did you write one and you're like, oh, I've got enough for a second? No, I knew this one. I knew this one was going to be a series for sure. Um, my editor and I were talking and she were originally like five books, do five books. And, you know, it's it's picking up. It's getting good reviews. People are really liking it. Reaching readers is a is a is a big challenge. Um so we're going to do four books for now, and then I'm going to do another series. But if Ghost Hunters continues picking up steam, then I will probably go back and do more in the middle grade. I do have an idea for a young adult spinoff, too, following the kids as teenagers. But I I definitely knew I wanted to do it as, as a series, for sure. Nice. Yeah, I think a spinoff, I, I immediately jumped Rugrats, jumped to my mind. Of right, yes. How- I feel like those episodes are kind of divisive of like regrets as teenagers, but I always, I always liked it. I liked when they absolutely when yeah get us some new, new experiences. Well, I mean, there. you know, and between, I mean, this is like upper middle grade, middle grade. I've had some, I've had one, there was one t- teacher who read the first ghost hunters book to her seven year old. Cause it, the, it was too advanced for the reading level, but apparently the kid really loved it. Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh graders. They seem to love it. Um, you know, it's not too scary. It's a little scary, but you know, they're kids. I want them to have fun. To me, it's like, to me, the books are like riding the haunted mansion ride at Disney. It's kind of spooky, but it's also a lot of fun at the same time. Nice. Nice. And is that, is that kind of your motivation of it of like, cause for, for my reference, I think the scariest stuff I would enjoy growing up was like goosebumps. Um, yes. And then I, I really didn't get into, are you afraid of the dark? But I don't know if it was necessarily because I was scared of it. I think I just watched one and was like, well, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, what, one of my teachers, I think it was in, I can't remember, it was third or fourth grade, read one of those Are You Afraid of the Dark stories, and it scared them out of me for, <laughs> for years. Um, but definitely, I didn't read, I mean, I didn't read, I don't know if I might be too old to have read R.L. Stein when I was a kid. I don't even know when those books started coming out. But I didn't read R.L. Stein. A lot of people like in my ghost hunter series to rl stein i i don't know if you're familiar with jonathan stroud at all he's a british author and he writes a ghost series with these young they're young teens um, going after ghosts to me it's more like that uh, rl stein is obviously brilliant but he's very very plot focused mm-hmm. um i definitely focus on plot but i 
I try to have the characters' growth development character arcs just as important as the plot. So to me, that's how I see it's different from R.L. Stein. During the pandemic, Akil Henry has worked with musicians all across the country, really, virtually, as well as in person one time at a cabin out in the woods. And whew, he's got a great story from it. Okay, so I couldn't do the uh, the, uh, the online session stuff. I'm, I really feed off the energy of, of um, everybody else in the room. Uh, so I... As I mentioned with the Looney stuff and in quarantine, we rented a house for a while and we just worked on her project for a few months. Um, then I, I left that house and then got another place for another two or so months or three months with with another artist, Lisa. And I did it with another artist that I'm kind of working with. So I, I was in person with um, with artists, the, like the whole quarantine. I, I was I kind of just like would rent a house two, three months at a time and then move and do it again and then do it again until... Cause I, I thought it'd be over after the first one, but it just kept on getting longer and longer. <laughs> so um, I just kept on doing it. So my, my quarantine experience wasn't the same as most producers. Um, uh, a lot of them were just doing online sessions the entire time. But I just, I, after the first three weeks, I, I knew I couldn't do that. Yeah, it was, it was uh, definitely like a, this should be over sooner than it is feeling for a, a good, at least the, I'd say the first few months, if not longer where it's like, okay, surely the end is in sight. And then it was like, oh, no, this is this is going to last for a while. So when you're doing these rental house switcheroos, were you looking for something in particular for like when you were looking at these houses? Or was it just kind of whatever was available for a change of scenery to work with someone new? Well, we used Airbnb and we do their monthly rental thing. So, yeah, there, there were a lot of options. People really people weren't traveling a lot. So there were actually amazing offers for very cheap it actually kind of worked out. Um, so we, we got, we just, we focused on making sure the house had a vibe um, and then making sure uh, that we could be loud. Didn't have any neighbors. We had to get a place kind of secluded. So it was, it was actually kind of fun because we live like we're out in the middle of nowhere um, for most of these. And it was just like, it was just us and the music for, we, we didn't see anybody we knew. We didn't like, we just woke up, created till we could fall, till we couldn't stay awake and fell asleep and did the same thing like seven days a week. Did you see anything uh, unusual in any of these houses? Um, one of the houses had me terrified because <laughs> um, when we got in there, there were a bunch of books on how to fight off a bear if you encounter a bear. <laughs> so I literally um, didn't leave that house until we left. I stayed inside. Unless we like went to the car to get groceries, like, I, I didn't st- step outside. I was just, nope, I do not need to fight off a bear here at all. <laughs> Did you read the books at least? I didn't read the books. I didn't, I'm like, I don't need these books. I'm not <laughs> st- stepping outside. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's kind of an intimidating thing to see when you walk into a house. And it was, it was a beautiful place, but that was just like, there were so many books on bears. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is a thing here. Yeah, at least they're preparing you for it in, in the worst. But I think you made the right decision in not venturing out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it was three of us in that house and none of us left um, unless it was groceries. And because of the COVID situation, we were trying to not go out as much. So we would not leave the house. And, and this is the only time I've ever done this. Like not stepped outside um, for like two weeks at a time because we try to buy at least two weeks of groceries. So and we literally never stepped outside. And that was super weird for me because I'm like, that, that, I've never done that before in my life. 
Kimberly Dawn has had a couple of gigs she'd consider her worst, and we're diving into all of them. Oh, gosh. I mean, listen, I've played at some dive bars, <laughs> like literally in the pouring rain. I can think of one. It was like literally in Hollywood, and it was like on a November, and it was like pouring, pouring rain. And anyway, long story short, my guitarist that I had playing with me was in like an acoustic set his guitar string broke in the middle of it. Oh, I mean, it was like, it was like everything you could imagine kind of went wrong. I mean, listen, it was pouring rain. So people like just trying to get in there were like drenched. And I think I had probably 10 friends that came, but <laughs> let me tell you that bar was so happy that I had 10 friends there because it was my 10 friends that were in the bar. That was it the whole night. So um, anyway, but yeah, there's there's been obviously, actually this last show that I had, um, five minutes before I went on, the sound engineer came over to me and said, I'm so sorry, but something happened and we lost all your settings. So oh, no. everything from the sound check, <laughs> we had literally an hour and a half sound check, was gone. <laughs> so we winged it. <laughs> did it work out? Yeah, I think it did. I mean, everyone said it sounded good. I'm like, all right, I can't. And, and I couldn't hear myself. I had my... my um, my uh, ears in and I literally mm -hmm. come out to sing my first song and couldn't even hear myself. So I ripped out one of them and um, I was like, okay, this is how it's going to go. We're just going to do this. So it all worked out. I had fun. Yeah. You know what? If that's, you're having fun, thing. I learned that early on. If you have fun, the audience is going to have fun. You just got to have fun. Yes, oh. have fun and and don't act like things are going wrong. Exactly, you got to just kind no of play know. it off. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah, I think that's a, a skill that is important for for really any performer, but especially musicians. It's just the ability to roll with things because, like you said, things are going to go wrong sometimes. Maybe you have a real sunny day and then it just starts pouring rain like ten you minutes beforehand, and you're like, "Well, all right, we're going to roll with it." Yeah. So you just got to roll with it. Yes. Take an improv class or two if you need to. And then I love that. I love that. <laughs> Ekin Oslin has had plenty of modeling gigs. And while a lot of them are good, she's had one or two that make for great stories, but maybe weren't as fun at the time. Oh, my God. I've had so many bad ones. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think that by far I had the worst gigs as a model than, than as a musician. I mean, musician, it was always fun for me, you know, seeing, performing. There, I, I can never say that anything was ever bad. That was always just, I was honored to be able to do that in the times that I did. And I certainly didn't do it enough. Like, I feel like I'll circle back to that later in life. Um, but as a model, I mean, I can tell you, I did a commercial for silk soy milk where I had to wear a cow costume on my body. And I mean, just the things that you do as a model, it's insane. The things that you do, the, the temperatures that you work in, the weird positions that they put you in. <laughs> it's like, there is no end. And I was actually doing a podcast just a couple weeks ago. And I said, you know, I don't understand why there's not a model's union. Like, why is there SAG and AFTRA? Okay. I'm SAG, I'm AFTRA. Perfect. But why is there not a union for models that protect us from this kind of abuse, labor abuse? <laughs> you know, it's like, I can't believe no one's come up with that yet. Well, maybe that's a future project for you then. Can add <laughs> it to that. <laughs> I have too many. I'm, that's why I'm putting it out there. I'm like, somebody else needs to do this to protect all the up and coming girls. Like, yeah. yeah, put it out into the universe. 
And yeah, somebody will hear this and then they'll they'll react. (laughs) Rapper David Shabani played a show where the Fast and the Furious was involved. So let's see how that turned out. I think I got two. One, this one is not as bad as the next. This one time I was playing at this, uh, they said it was a festival. So it's like, yo, it's it's a festival in this town. And what it was pretty much is that like, there's going to be like 30 acts playing in different places. And they had me rapping in this like, this local pizza shop and i was like in the corner <laughs> and people were coming in like getting the orders and it was the strangest i was like people are not here to watch this people are buying pizzas like i don't i don't know why y'all put me here but i will say even in that show some people enjoyed the show so it's like all right cool well, i guess there's like a crowd to rap in front of us so i appreciate that but i always think about how i was in a corner like right next to the like you know people flipping the the dough trying to make pizzas <laughs> I'm like all right well i guess y'all booked me here so that's what's up but one show that i really think was the worst the worst gig i had was uh it, it was in austin this name of the place i don't think it, it exists anymore i think it, it might have been called headhunters but um it, it used to be like a metal venue and for some reason i got booked at the show and uh I, I it was like on a Tuesday night or something like that, and one of my friends lived in Austin at the time. He went to he went to Texas, and so he was like, "Yo, where do you play at? You play downtown? I'm gonna come check you out." He came by himself. It was just him. It was <laughs> there was another dude in the corner that just happened to be in the bar, and then there was the bartender, and the bartender. You know when you go to a bar, they have the TV on. Mm-hmm. He kept the tv on so the tv might have not been like the volume might have not been on but it was on they had fast and furious on like two fast two furious the one with tyrese <laughs> it was on like right next to this like on stage so if you're looking at the stage i don't even know if you, i don't even know if you're looking at me or if you're looking at the television so i, I mean, at some points i'm looking at the television like oh i like the scene so <laughs> they're like but the thing is i was honestly rapping to two people and the bartender who's watching tv and what's crazy is also they had booked me for an hour set so i'm over there just doing songs like, all right, i guess i'll just do this one i didn't have a dj at the time so i'm just like pressing songs on my laptop like, i'll do this one i'll do the i'll do the next one and uh i will say though at the end of this show which i thought i was just like yeah i just rapped in front of two people so that's what's up um two and a half if you count like half of the attention span of the bartender <laughs> But there was a dude, that dude that was at the end of the table. When I got done, he was like, hey, this is a long time ago, too. So, like, times, you know, times are different in terms of, like, exchanging music. Mm-hmm. But he was like, uh, when I got done, he was like, hey, um, you wouldn't happen to have a, a CD or something. I really liked your set. And he was sitting, he was just by, it's not like he came to see me. He was just at this random ass bar that had, like, no one. You know, not not much going on, and he enjoyed the music. So he was like, "Yeah, sure." I was like, "Yeah, sure." I had a CD, and I guess you know, I, I presume or assume that that man is still a fan today. But that's probably the uh, the wildest gig I've ever played. I was rap. I was competing with Fast and Furious. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I also like that you you were taking breaks to watch too. <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. Okay, that is a, that is a solid one. <laughs> Have you watched the newest one? I've seen it. It's getting a little, it's getting a little ridiculous. And Mark Hartsman dives all into the ghoulish with Chasing Ghosts, a tour of our fascination with spirits and the supernatural. 
And my goodness, this was a fun conversation. I mean, I've always been fascinated by ghosts and the paranormal. That's just been one of those things that I think kind of comes with the territory of liking the, the world of the bizarre. <laughs> but I had really gotten into spiritualism in the past several years, and I've been buying a lot of books on it um, from like the late 1800s, early 1900s, partly because they have beautiful covers. They have these amazing titles and, and everything inside them is just kind of wondrous and amazing. All these different, I mean, I have a book called Next World Interviewed, which is all these interviews with dead people, famous dead people talking about the other side and what they've learned, um, you know, all captured by mediums, of course, you know, supposedly. But it's just incredible to read these different thoughts. And, uh, you know, someone, someone had these different ideas that they put down and attribute them to these different spirits, or they believe they actually heard them from the spirits. But it was just such an amazing time to think that, you know, millions of people truly believe that we were, we could communicate with the dead and, and we're very confident that there was another side um, and that death was not the end. And uh, I just found that whole era to be really in, an incredible time to, to be alive, to, to think that. And then you have all the mediums who were, you know, creating these seances and having these amazing manifestations, whether it was just uh, a voice or automatic writing, uh, slate writing. Uh, you know, different kinds of uh, physical manifestations, things, you know, apporting or uh, uh, spare trumpets, you know, flying across the room, ectoplasm, all these amazing things happening. And it's like, how, how were they doing these things? And, and in the book, I kind of get into that, how some of them were proved to be fraudulent. In some cases, it's a little hard to show what they were doing. Um, but it's, it's an amazing time. You know, uh, people were doing extraordinary things and people truly believed. So that... All that kind of got me going into the, the, the ghost and the paranormal. And of course, that spread into other topics for the book, Jason Ghosts. Have you gone on a, a significant number of ghost tours? I'm pretty sure I walked by one that was happening last night, which I thought was pretty fitting. I've been on quite a few. Um, Is there one that hand, stands out as a, a, a must see or a must, uh, must stop by? <laughs> I don't know that there's one in particular that's like, <laughs> you know, so much greater than the others. I mean, I, I did one in York in England, which was great because York is such a cool town. It's, you know, it's got so much great history. I mean, York has a, a little street that I believe Harry Potter's Diagon Alley was modeled after. And like you walked down like, this looks like Diagon Alley. <laughs> so, and it's got, you know, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of years of history. So it's, that was a pretty cool place for a ghost tour. Um, I've done one in Charleston, which is a great, great little town um it has you know that has a good history as well saint augustine in florida uh in new york city a, a friend of mine runs boroughs of the dead and, and she does great ghost tours so i did one at uh at greenwood cemetery which is an amazing cemetery people can go there you should go there all kinds of incredible people uh are buried there and she does one about spiritualists and magicians kind of this topic so that was a, a really cool tour to do Fantastic. I've only ever done one and it was here in Austin, Texas. And I enjoyed it because, I mean, I, I also find that interesting, uh, but I was in between someone that was fascinated, like obsessed with ghosts and someone who was skeptical as hell about everything that was happening. And the juxtaposition of the two was just a delight to be in between. <laughs> and did, did anyone see anything? Uh, but the friend and one other person, uh, we went into the Driscoll Hotel in, um, which is a, 
I, I think probably one of the most uh, well-known facts about the Driscolls that it is haunted. And uh, they they claim they saw someone by the staircase. Um, oh, that's cool. Heading, heading back. I, for, I to forgot to mention one mm-hmm. that I should I should mention since you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I did a great ghost tour of the Mark Twain house Ooh. in 2010. It was the 100th anniversary of his death. And so they were doing a special program at the Mark Twain house in Hartford, Connecticut. And I, I was doing weird news stories for AOL Weird News at that point. So I was covering the events as a story. Um, but the tour was being led by Lorraine Warren, who, if people know the Warrens, uh, famous, she and her husband, Ed, were famous ghost hunters, demonologists, um, famously studied the Amityville horror case. If you've seen the Conjuring films, those, those are based on the Warrens, Annabelle, of course. So, so they're pretty well known in that, that world. So I got to talk to Lorraine and interview her in advance. And she was giving me chills, raising the hairs on my arms from her stories just over the phone. And then she led the tour. And I was like, if I'm going to see a ghost, it's going to be at the Mark Twain house with Lorraine Warren. <laughs> Uh, so that was pretty cool. Of course, I didn't, but um, <laughs> I thought I was giving myself a pretty good shot. Yeah, that's all you can ask for. Is <laughs> be in a yeah. position. Yeah, to see try. Why. Yeah, yeah. I hope you enjoyed the spectacular series of conversations. It was a lot of fun having them, and I hope you have a wonderful Halloween. Of course, we'll still wrap up with a corny joke because that's what we do on this show. Where do fashionable ghosts shop? At boutiques. Get after it today, people. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 